Hey guys, Joe McCall, REI in your car. Actually, REI in the Lazy Boy. <laughs> How's it going, guys? I'm actually in my uh, Lazy Boy recliner. I don't, know, is it, I don't know if it's a Lazy Boy or not. Do they still make Lazy Boys? You know those recliners that are real comfy and you just lay down? <laughs> so I'm in my Lazy Boy right now. In Well, we have this uh, separate garage that's kind of been converted into a carriage house, and I have my office in here. And uh, so inside of this carriage house, I, we have uh, kind of like a small living room set up. But um, just leaning back, and I had some calls this morning, and I'm getting ready to go into the office to get some work done. And I had some calls yesterday and today I wanted to tell you about because I'm so pumped and excited. You know, the, the crazy thing about being a coach, um, you know, I'm still doing deals. And I, I've talked about this a lot before, right? Um, I'm still doing deals, but I also I really love coaching, right? I love helping people and teaching the business and um, if I was just doing deals, I'd probably be bored. So that's one of the reasons I feel like it's a calling of mine. I mean, I really do. I think it's a spiritual calling that I have to coach and help people in this business. And I'm not ashamed to admit that. Um, and I don't do it for free either, right? I, I charge a lot of money for coaching and a lot less than some of these big national guru coaching companies do. Um, I charge a lot less than that. Because I partner with students on deals, and so I get a lot of my coaching fees, hopefully, from part partnering with students on deals. Um, but I had some really, really good calls the last few days with, excuse me, with folks, and I just wanted to share that with you because I'm hoping that you'll be a little inspired and uh, maybe get a, a boot up your butt uh, to start taking action yourself, right? Because I think we all need a little bit of that once in a while. We need a new. We, we need a good old boot up the uh, you know what um, to stop asking the what if questions or stop saying the yeah buts and start focusing on what really matters, what's really important, right? So this one uh, client, uh, I won't tell you her name because I haven't asked for permission, but she sent me this message and she was complaining that my contract. I don't know if it was my contract or what, but she was complaining that the contract she used, she just wholesaled a deal, and she had to pay $2,600 in closing costs. So she, she had a deal under contract, and she had to wholesale it. She wanted to wholesale it, and she found a buyer, and she assigned the contract. She did an assignment agreement. And uh, the title company was playing hard nose, and they said, sorry, tough titty kitty, you've got to um, pay the closing costs yourself. Even though tough titty kitty. I haven't said, my mom used to say that to me all the time. I have no idea what it means, but she still says it. I hear it. She's like, she's in her young uh, 60s and uh, she's still, she's still, I still hear her say sometimes tough titty kitty. Um, she'll actually say tough titty kitty, but the milk's still good. <laughs> Whatever that means, I don't know. <laughs> That's embarrassing. All right. Uh, so anyway, the, uh, this this um, title company is like being stupid, obnoxious, you know. And I looked at the contract, and it says on the on the original A to B contract, it says that so and so investor will pay all the closing costs, right? So anyway, when she assigned the contract, the title company said, "No, you have to pay the closing costs." Well, 
I felt like really bad. I was like, oh man, because I thought this student was upset with me for some reason that, you know, maybe I needed to clarify better in my contracts who pays the closing costs or whatnot. So I started talking to her back and forth. I use Voxer a lot when I'm talking to clients. Uh, Voxer is pretty cool. Let's check it out. Anyway, um, she made $65,000 on the deal. And it was kind of like an afterthought. It's like, oh yeah, well, yeah, it's not a big deal, I guess. I mean, I made sixty-five grand on the deal. It's like I about, I about fell over my chair. I was like, "What? <laughs> that is so awesome! Sixty-five grand!" And it turns out that this deal, um, was there's like, it, it had been assigned or like two or three times after her, right? And so I would, I'm suspecting that the title agent was just really frustrated and getting really impatient with this difficult transaction because it was being, there were so many parties involved and you know how title agents get when you've got a lot of different uh, parties involved and everybody's anxious to get their little cut of the pie and they want to hurry up and close. And so she just is probably saying, screw it. F you all. (laughs) I'm going to lay down the law and I'm going to say who pays what. And if you don't like it, then tough titty kitty. So the uh, still man, can you believe that? She made 65 grand. So lesson, I think there's a couple lessons from this. Number one, um, just be real clear in your contracts who's paying the closing costs. Like So in your assignment agreement, you might want to add language that says, you know, I'm assigning this contract to Joe Blow Investor, and Joe Blow Investor is going to pay all the closing costs. And me, I am not paying any closing costs. I mean, if you have to put something as simple and as clear in that, in your assignment agreement, then go ahead and do it. Um, and that's what this student is going to do. So, I mean, man, awesome. I feel, I wish I could tell you her name, but I just didn't ask for her permission. And I just wanted to tell you guys that I'm telling you, man, there's people out there making a lot of money in this business, right? You don't necessarily hear from them. You know, they don't like the public limelight and they don't probably ever want to be coaches. They just are plugging away, doing deals. Some of them are big, some of them are small. But what kind of difference would that make in your life? $65,000 on a wholesale deal. This is, and it was an assignment. And the cool thing was talking to her about it. She said, I felt totally fine doing an assignment and not a double close because I had at least two or three other buyers that would have bought it and easily paid me that assignment fee. So yeah, that's awesome, isn't it? Um, I talked to another student today, and this is a guy I've been working with for um, about a month and a half. Real good guy. I, I, um, I've been traveling a lot and speaking in some of the different places that I go to speak. I meet some of my students, which is awesome, and I get to hang out with them and talk with them for a little bit. And um, this one gentleman in particular, um, he's been having a hard time because he's got, he works the graveyard shifts, right? So he works nights. And I just, you know, he's, he's having a hard time. I mean, understandably, right? When you have to work from 9 p.m. to 6 a.m., and then you have to sleep. Um, how do you find time to do the business? And so I didn't have any good answers. I just, well, I was talking to him and I said, you know, you got to keep it, break, break it down back to the basics, the simple things, right? Break it down to the basic, simple things. And so what's really important in this business? And this is a lesson I wanted to show you, share with you guys. What's the lesson in this business? It is, I mean, what, what are the simple things in this business, right? It's number one. There's four things. Write this down. Marketing. Okay. Marketing. Got to do lots of marketing. Talk to sellers. You got to talk to sellers. Okay. 
Number three, you need to make offers. You got to make a lot of offers. And number four, and maybe most importantly, but they're all super important because you can't have one without any of the others, is follow-up, right? So if you're struggling to get started, forget about all the other stuff going on around you. Forget about, really, I mean, like, I mean, it's important to understand real estate, right? It's important to understand how to do a deal and and the legal things, the legal issues and the contracts and stuff like that. But forget about that. Because none of that is important unless you're first doing the first things first. And you're, foc- you're doing a lot of marketing. You're talking to a lot of sellers. You're, doing a lot of, you're making a lot of offers. And you're doing a lot of follow-up. Because if you're not doing that stuff, then nothing else really matters. And so I was telling this guy, listen, I don't want to tell you. Um, tough titty kitty, that's the way it goes. You got to figure out a way. If you can't do that stuff, you got to get somebody else to do it for you. And so we started talking about that and brainstorming that. Like, okay, so you know, you can do the marketing yourself. You could, it's as easy as hiring a direct mail company. Uh, maybe you know, at at three in the morning when you're taking your lunch break, <laughs> whatever. Uh, maybe you're on Craigslist and uh, you're sending out emails to potential sellers in in Craigslist or the realtors or Zillow, right? Maybe at, uh, you know, 8 p.m. right before you leave for work, you're sending out a bunch of text messages, okay? Um, or eventually maybe you get a VA. I mean, this gentleman doesn't have a lot of money either to spend on marketing, so you got to be real creative with this stuff. And I said, how bad do you want this? You got If you can't do it, you got to get somebody else that can do it. And so when it comes to talking to sellers, obviously he can't, right? Because he's working nights and he's sleeping during the days. It's tough, I get it. But when I was getting started in the business, I was working 50, 60 hours a week during the day, and I found a way to make it happen. I mean, the only time I could talk to sellers was on my lunch break, which I rarely ever did, and then um, on my drive home, because I'd get home, and I got a family and kids, and I'd be tired, and so I knew I couldn't do it. And so what did I do? I found somebody else that could do it for me. I found a friend who was unemployed. He was not unemployable just didn't have a job. He didn't want one. And he was on kind of an entrepreneur type of a guy. And I knew he had an interest in real estate. And so we started talking. I said, Hey, listen, how about this? I'll do the marketing. I'll get through the leads. You go through all of this training that I had, and this is other people's courses and stuff. And I said, you just talk to the sellers and ask them these questions. And if they want to do a lease option, send them this contract and then give me the deal and I'll, we'll split it. I think we did a 35, 65 split or something like that. And he said, yeah, so we started doing that for, I don't remember, six months, 12 months or something like that. He started getting a bunch of deals under contract. And then I had the problem of trying to sell those contracts. So what did I do? I said, well, I can't do it. Started getting creative, started thinking outside the box. And I found a realtor. I found, I hired a realtor to start marketing my homes for me. And she would find tenant buyers for me. And, um, you know, that realtor only worked out for a little while. And then I hired somebody else. I forget who it was. It was, it was somebody at the local real estate club. And um, yeah, this is what it was. I remember. She hated sellers. <laughs> she, she, uh, she actually had done some deals. She hated sellers. But she actually liked working with tenant buyers and buyers. So I said, well, okay, how about this? Um, why don't you work with my buyers and I'll pay you. So I had to pay her a certain percentage of the deal. She found the buyers for me. And it was great. I mean, she was making almost just as much as she was on her job um, doing selling my deals. So anyway, my point is this. And, and by the way, at the time, 
I didn't even have my leads in a database. I wasn't even doing any follow-up. How much more deals could I have done if I was following up with my old leads? And I've said this over and over again. If you start following up with old leads, it takes, while, it takes a while to build that momentum, right? You're doing the marketing. It's a little frustrating. It's hard. You feel like you're, you're driving against the wind. But that you start getting leads in your database and you start following up with them. You're going to find that half of your deals come from the follow-up, from sellers that said no, but you followed up with them. You sent them an offer. You followed up every month, every couple weeks, whatever. And they eventually said, yeah, you know what? Okay, I'll do it. So... I'm telling you guys, those four things, if you can do them, then do it. If you can't, then get somebody else to do it. How bad do you want it? Right? I've told this story before, too. There was a, one of my students is a college student, and uh, zero money. He's working a job that pays him about $600 a month just because if he quits it, his parents will freak out and stop paying for his college. And uh, But he's, he's going to school full-time, and he's working almost 30 hours a week, part-time, okay? He's working a lot. So he has hardly any time. But what does he do? Well, he puts. He doesn't have much money for marketing, so he just does bandit signs, and he posts ads on Craigslist. He posts ads on Craigslist. I normally don't teach that, but what else is he going to do? He gets a call. He does a deal. He doesn't even have any contracts. He can't afford my course. And then he goes, and he goes to, uh, to Staples or Office Max, whatever, and he buys one of their generic contracts. They, they sell like real estate contracts at those office supply stores, right? Where you can buy a car or you can lease a house or buy a house or whatever. And I'm sure every attorney listening to this is cringing right now. Like, don't ever do that. But that's, you know, they're real simple, straightforward. Um, and he, he flips a deal, makes $15,000 from a, like one of those generic contracts at OfficeMax. Okay. And then he does something really smart. He takes some of his profits, he reinvests them into marketing, and takes some of his other profits and reinvests it into coaching. And uh, so anyway, I, I love this business. I love it. I just thought I wanted to share you those, with you those couple stories and um, be get your mind spinning and get your, get your brain thinking about like, all right, man, I, I want to do all this stuff. I know I need to, but I can't. So what am I going to do? Okay, I mean, like, Every deal is different, you know. There's no deal that's the same, and you're always going to be running against roadblocks in this business. In any business, you're going to get attorneys that tell you you can't do this. You're going to get friends or other investors that tell you it's illegal. You're going to get realtors and title companies that tell you you can't do what you're doing. That's wrong. That's illegal. That's unethical. It's immoral. It's fattening. You can't make money in real estate today. The market's too competitive. It's too hot. It's too hard. It's too cold. There's not enough buyers out there. There's not enough sellers out there. I have too many sellers, not enough buyers. I have too many buyers. I don't have enough sellers. You'll, I've heard it all, okay? But how bad do you want it? How bad are you going to push through that stuff and say, you know what? I'm going to figure out a way to do it. I'm not going to take no for an answer. I'm not going to take no for an answer. And that's where the success lies. That's the secret to success right there. Cool? All right, guys, so I'm out of here. I'm going to actually get in my car. I didn't want to wait until I was driving because I was afraid I was going to forget these things that I wanted to share. So um, maybe I'll record another one once I get in the car. Take care, guys. See you later. Bye-bye.